0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado.
0: Thank you for everyone that has tuned in to 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. We're getting closer to the one-year anniversary. Had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders and certainly hope it has been beneficial. In addition, thank you for all the support you've provided on the book that was recently published, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are, you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. Paperback, ebook, and audiobook are now available. Check out 52weeksahustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple. I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. There are multiple ways to have a career journey in the sports field. Our next guest has been one that has built a great brand and named for himself on the team side and then ventured to the vendor side and has taken an innovative company to the next level, including just getting acquired. I'm excited to have our next guest, Anthony Perez, Chief Executive Officer of Venue Next. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Anthony, very excited. Appreciate it, man. Very excited to have you and certainly be able to really dive into your illustrious career. And I know you and I talked before and certainly during about the, the transition from going from the team side into that vendor and tech space. So Let's start there. You had spent 13 plus years on the team side with the Orlando Magic. You made the transition to Venue Next
2: about three years ago. Why did you make that move? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I um, really enjoyed my time on the team side and uh, and had, had a lot of great opportunities to grow during that. I, I think for me, just thinking about, like, the next step that made sense, I had started to get a lot more involved in some of the digital stuff we were doing at The Magic and, uh, and getting more involved in, in the tech side and really just wanted an opportunity to continue to grow my horizon. Felt like I had maybe sort of uh, out, outrun my – um. My opportunity, at at least at the Magic, and and saw a chance to to move to stay a little bit in sports, which I love, but also like get exposed to new things, new opportunities that I wouldn't necessarily get from a team. And you've certainly
0: taken that opportunity to the next level. And for those listeners that know, Venue Next is a technology company that had a mission to transform the way guests experience a venue via the smartphone. The platform ties together operational systems in a venue and creates mobile apps for guests, patients, fans, and employees to access services, making their visit more convenient. Most recently, you've been busy in more ways than one, Anthony, as it was recently announced that Venue Next was purchased by Shift Ford for $72 million. So walk the listeners through that
2: process. Yeah, it was fun and a first for me. Um, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, so you know, look, I, we we had we had met Shift Four as a strategic partner and had been working with them for about a year on various new business opportunities. And um, as those opportunities continued to unfold, there were, I think, we both on both sides we saw some clear synergies and opportunities to do more if we were one company as opposed to two. And so they approached me in the fall, trying to gauge our appetite around a potential acquisition, and it, it sort of heated up from there. So it was about two, two, uh, two solid months of my time um, and the time of others on both sides just to, to get everything done. But once we sort of, like, agreed that we saw the we, – we, we were aligned on the opportunity and the value of the more formal um, combination – It was a sprint. We got it done pretty fast.
0: I just say we talk a lot about, you know, in the sales industry, and you've been a a big part of that, where it's like sometimes there's long sales cycles, you know, 10 10 months to two years. It's a short sales cycle, but also, no different you never know where you may end up in that becomes a business partner. And so, with the merger now, what will Shift 4 all encompass, you know, now that it has the venue next as well?
2: Yeah, so Shift 4 is a payments company, do payment processing. And uh, But the the notion of packaging software with payments is not new at all to Shift4. They, they own or we own uh, a variety of, of point-of-sale brands and e-commerce um, platforms as well. And so as Shift4 was looking to grow their footprint in sports and entertainment. Um, Venue Next made a lot of sense because essentially it gave the opportunity to run a very familiar playbook in sports entertainment. So what we have now relative to like sports venues is we have the only true kind of vertically integrated solution. So someone being able to say, I want to use venue next software, mobile ordering point of sale, uh, et et cetera. And you, it's one stop shopping. You get everything, you get the software um, that the, that the fans interact with, you get the software that the operators interact with, you get, payment processing and all the back office components of that and it's one it, there's one place that you go and you're getting all of it as opposed to the more traditional like there's usually three or four hands that are involved and that, that creates a lot of friction
0: yeah it's certainly a one-stop shop and so I, I feel like this would be a good time and, and a good platform to give your sales pitch for venue next so what, what does that look like for you
2: yeah, sure. Um I, I should have expected to, to come on <laughs> to a, a podcast with you and be asked to give my pitch. Um and I appreciate any feedback and opportunities <laughs> you have for me to improve it. Um yeah, so I, I think like there's a few things that we always like to highlight, but the, the biggest thing is we are a a commerce ecosystem. So we, we bring the entire I, I I always like to think of it as analogous to Apple. Um we bring the full ecosystem and Uh, you don't have to stitch it together with various partners. Um, We have the countertop kind of traditional point of sale solutions with mobile ordering. Now we have payments. And there's a lot of benefit that you get from removing all the friction that comes with trying to integrate a bunch of different third-party partners to execute what people expect to be a seamless experience. So at the heart, that's a key part of our value prop. As I look at what we do relative to our competitors, it's really interesting because when you say point of sale, everybody thinks about the hardware on your, on a countertop, like a cash register. And for the most part, that really hasn't changed in the last 40 years. Uh, you know, we always look like to point out that the countertop point of sale, it's highly commoditized. It's marginally differentiated. We get most of our value out of mobile and that's we were born out of mobile the world continues to accelerate towards mobile certainly in light of covid that has become even more true and it's been been even more rapid and that's where we really start to differentiate and shine our competitors are traditional point-of-sale companies countertop point-of-sale companies that use third parties to bring mobile capabilities into their um into their offering we used to be one of those companies that activated mobile for them and with venue next we're a mobile first commerce company that has a countertop point of sale product and i think that's like really the sort of key differentiation
0: well i think you crushed the sales pitch and i would say been on the team side a lot a long time you know certainly that one-stop shop is key and i know for the leaders that are listening I guarantee you have a much better relationship with the legal department if you're bringing one contract to get everything taken care of instead of ten. So no uh, that's awesome, and and you know it seems like every day uh, or every week on LinkedIn I'm seeing you guys you know, acquire a, a new company or, or uh, gain a new partner. So kudos to that. And you know, I guess the next couple things I'm gonna pepper you with some questions because I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, huh, is there some opportunity for me to get to the vendor side? Hey, does it make sense on the team side? What would I miss? So, you know, I'm sure the, the next obvious question, and I'm sure you hear this all the time,
2: what do you miss about being on the team side? Yeah, I, I, I do miss the excitement of, like, being that close to a team. Um, and, you know, there, there are very few brands out there beyond, like, a sports team where your customer base has such a passion for your product And that's a lot of fun. It's just really fun to be part of that. I mean, when I first joined the Magic, we were we made our run to the finals, which was one of the most incredible times of my life. Like just that experience, it was amazing, and it's hard to recreate that anywhere. Getting acquired for seventy-two million bucks was awesome, Um, but man, like not the same as that like run we made to to the NBA finals. so you know, I, I I do miss that. I miss the like pride that comes with like working for a team that means a lot to the community that you live in and creates a lot of great memories for um, that community, including my own, right? My family and and all that. So I, I missed that, and and yeah. uh, and it was good. I, I'm I think going back to what I said before, the great benefit that I had in going to Venue Next was that I still had a chance to like keep a foot in. Right. Uh, sports is still not exactly the same, um, and I don't get all the great, you know, benefits so to speak that I did like working for a team. But um, I'm still close enough to it that I didn't lose that completely. Right.
0: Yeah, you're still engaged with the, the sports teams on a daily basis, and now that you're spending a lot of your time, you know, again talking to sports teams, talking to venues and live entertainment in general. How do you feel like your experience on the team side, which we're certainly going to dive into all of your experience and, and great accomplishments with the Magic, but how did that experience help you with some of those conversations that you're currently having?
2: Yeah, it's been super helpful. Um, you know, every Everyone that I talk to uh, that we're trying to, to work with and offer our solutions, I've been in their shoes. And so, you know, I think that's given me a unique perspective to understand the challenges, to understand the ways to uh, to try to help solve, like, pain points for those teams and venues. So I, I do think that, and, and that's different than if you've only ever been a vendor. And right. you could have, like, worked with, a te- worked with teams um, for the same amount of time, but you don't quite get the perspective the same as if you've sat on that side of the table. And so I do think that that's given me a lot of opportunity to, to add value, to add context, for venue next as well right to, like help our team understand hey look like th- these are the pain points that that these teams are feeling or this is this is how a team's going to respond to that or this is how i would think about it and so I, I i do think that i add value even on you know internally to venue next having that experience too
0: And it's that real-life testimonial, right? Like, hey, I've actually spent a hell of a lot more time on the team side than I have in this space, and here's their kind of friction points. Here's their pain points. Here's what we should be talking about. And, you know, so as as you're going in now, meeting with a lot of executives from a team and from any venue side, you know, on this podcast we talk a lot about characteristics. What are some of the key characteristics you're seeing in these executive-level individuals that you just feel like they're successful because they're bringing
2: these to the table each and every day? yeah I think um I think where we have the most success with with teams are the ones that are willing to take some risks recognize that like the, the sort of like the the, the traditional um, approaches to certain like problems or operations or whatever are not um are not the best solutions just because that's what's been used for a long time, and they want to challenge that. And I and I think that's where we really uh, lean in when we find those teams. And we and we, look, we work with we work with a variety of teams and venues al- along the spectrum. Right. But I think like we see the most success right when when people are to say, yeah, I buy into a I buy into a, a more progressive vision, and I'm not afraid to take some risks to, to get there.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely, and we're going to talk a lot about some of the innovative ideas you brought to the team side and certainly on Venue Next, and you've now been, Anthony, you know, just over three years in the vendor space, and what are some of the biggest surprises that maybe you've seen sitting on that side of the table that, one, maybe a surprise or two, like, wow, if I'd have known this on the team side, here's what I would look to implement or execute?
2: Um, biggest surprise. It, it was harder than I thought to get some of my friends to call me back when I wanted to sell them something. <laughs> <laughs> that, isn't that the truth? Like right? I, I had a really good connection. Wait, like no cricket. Right. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I I think, you, know, I, I had a, I was fortunate in that. We worked with Venue next for several years before I left to join the company. and even though we're a different company today than the one that I joined because of some strategic uh, changes we chose to make, um, yep. I still like I, I still understood to some degree what i was what I was getting into. Um, and that may not always be true for someone who like leaves from a team and goes to goes to the vendor side and like maybe doesn't hasn't had like direct experience or whatever with that, with that particular company. So it was maybe a little bit more comfortable for me in that regard. What I've loved about it is the, the, the universe is just so much bigger, right? The opportunity is is so much bigger and that's been super exciting. Um, I think like the other thing, and even though we used to talk about, and it's true, like we, you know, you, you were like the evangelist, um, during our time together, the magic right of like everybody's a salesperson, like everybody's selling yep. the dream, and um, I actually have felt that even more on the vendor side. The vendor like side. you, you live and die by making sales. Like that is it. Like you're if you can't like sell your product, then you don't exist. Anymore. You're
0: not existing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I think and like by the way, I've loved that. Like I've yep. loved the I've loved like the competition. From that, which is a little bit different than the team side. Like, there's still, you're still like, try, you're always trying to win with sales. I think like the competition is not always as direct in terms of like, you know, you and you would know better than me, right? But like, you're not always necessarily having somebody that says, "Hey, I'm thinking about like these three things. Like, why should you be the thing that I do?" And may, maybe, maybe just not as directly. Like, we, right. you know, there's there's a lot of like very direct competition that we encounter and it's super fun it's like super fun to win um and but i do think that like that team culture helped prepare me for that where you're you know sort of like all oriented around like how am i supporting sales now i got a little bit more directly involved it has been i've loved that part of it more than anything else
0: such a great experience and so give the listeners a little glimpse of like we've talked a lot about you know some of your some of your partners are sports teams and venues but who else are some of your partners
2: yeah, so we're, we, uh, we work with a lot of different types of venues and properties. We're in theme parks, so our most recent one is Six Flags. We've been rolling out with them for, uh, for the last year or so across all their parks for mobile ordering. We're, we're in a couple other theme parks nice. as well. We are on corporate campuses, um, so uh, Amazon is one of those. We do mobile ordering for their employees. At their headquarters in Seattle, um, as well as some other other corporate uh, campuses, we're starting to get into airports, which is uh, which has been really exciting. We are in some zoos and other more like cultural uh, cultural institutions. So, a lot of lot of cool opportunity, and they're all very similar. You know, it's yep. not there's differences for sure, but you know, the, the, the experience they're trying to create. The operational challenges we're trying to solve are all very similar.
0: That's got to be the coolest thing about the, the opportunities are, are somewhat endless for Venue Next. You know, to your point of you, know, if I would have asked a hundred listeners who are they selling to, they may have come across maybe a theme park or you know certainly sports teams, but never would have thought of corporate campuses and things like that. So certainly a ton of opportunity. Again, kudos to you and your team and all your successes. And finally, Anthony, what advice would you have for our listeners that you have that? sometime in their career they may consider moving
2: off of the team side um yeah i i i think uh i think just making sure or feeling good that the opportunity aligns with your broader goals because you know and and i, and I guess like where i would take that is I, talk, I When I worked for the Magic especially, like when I was on the team side, a lot of people wanted to talk to me about like career advice and stuff like that. Interestingly, not as many people reach out to me about that now that I don't work for a team. Potentially um, <laughs> after this podcast, you may be getting hit up. Maybe. Maybe, you know, and, I, and I'm happy to. I always love having those conversations, but I would get people that would would want to understand like, hey, how do I get into a team? Like what's the path to work for a team? And one of the things that I would always tell them is like, hey, think think more broadly – if you want to work in sports, then just working for a team. Because there's a lot of ways to do that. You can work for a league. You can work for these other brands that touch sports, whether they're selling products directly or their platforms are used for, for sports or sharing content or those kinds of things. Like a, there's a whole like universe of opportunities that have direct ties to sports, even though you're not necessarily working for a team. And so I think like that those experiences can make you even more valuable And so it's really just a matter of, like, what you're, what you're hoping to um, accomplish. If you ultimately want to be, like, a GM, um, you know, the sport, sports team is probably, like, the best place to end up. But um, if you are really interested in just continuing to grow, like, I, on the sales side, right, business yep. development, man, there's, like, all kinds of places you can take that outside of a team where there is a huge addressable market to go and, like, continue to refine your skills and grow your career in a significant way.
0: And, again, we're here on 52 Weeks to Hustle. The guest today, Anthony Perez.
1: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of today's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Chief Executive Officer of Venue Next. So, Anthony, you grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, then your family (laughs) moved to Orlando, Florida. You go to attend UCF, University of Central Florida, to study finance. And then you also go on later to get your MBA from the University of Florida. So your, your father worked in the seminary. Your mom worked in insurance. So growing up, was there a, an early job that you had that may have led you down kind of the sports and
2: sales path? Or, or did you really just want to get into the finance world? Um, yeah, it, it, I, I, it's, it's, it's a funny it's like a funny, uh, sort of sequence of things, I guess, that sort of like led me to where I was. I'd say like the first thing in terms of jobs growing up, um, I, I had, I had enough like odd jobs that I was given, like even, you know, helping at my dad's office with like landscaping and some of those things to know that, um, I was, I would not be successful, um, (laughs) at at those things and needed, needed something easier on my hands. Um, And so, you know, that was, I, I'd say, like, one, one thing. Um, but really, when I was in college, I remember, I, like, towards the end, you to start, as everybody does, you start thinking about, like, a job, what are you going to do next? And I remember I had applied to this, like, management training program with, like, a car rental company or something like that. And um, I was, and I got accepted to it. You know, they offered me a job or whatever. And I was, like, so excited. I called my dad, and I told him about it. And, uh, and he was like, Really? <laughs> like rental cars and i was like yeah man but management training
1: right Managing yeah
2: training. think about it mit baby right like i'm gonna i'm gonna uh you know they, they see like potential in me or whatever it's like hey look I, you know like that's great um but just think make sure that whatever you do that it's something that you care about that like excites you because um you know i just can't imagine that you're going to be like super interested like working for a rental car company for the next like however many years i took that to heart and i thought a lot about that and i kind of and i just thought like well i mean i like sports um that could be cool and so i applied for an internship with the magic um while i was finishing school and it and it worked out so but you know i was i I was like that close to uh And, and I'm doing something
0: else. Be working in an enterprise.
2: No, and, and you, know, you,
0: you mentioned there, right? You had an internship with the Magic, leads into your first job with the Orlando Magic. You're a business development manager, and your main role was to assist ownership and senior leadership to secure the $480 million of funding for the new arena. And so you know, as, as you come out of that, you know, that role is a pretty big deal for somebody coming right out of college. So as you look back at your experiences with getting the new Amway Center funded and built, was there a meeting or an experience that really stands out to you from that experience?
2: Well, I would say there was, I'd say one thing that has all like that really stuck with me. And I think, um, I think in some ways is like a good, just a good um, attribute to, to think about as people, certainly as they start their careers, I had a, I had a, a, a point early on where my boss um, who you know well, Charlie Freeman, yep. had asked me to do something. And I don't even remember what it was. But he, like, asked me to figure something out. And um, I went to him. He was, like, in between meetings or whatever. And I kept trying to, like, get time with him so that I could ask him a question about it. And I just, he was, was like, never had time, right? He's like, hey, got, got this next thing, got this next thing, whatever. And I got, like, really frustrated. And at the end of the day, finally got like five minutes from him with him. And, and I just said, Hey man, I really need to talk to you about this thing, whatever. And he's like, I, I don't have time. Like you got, you know, you got to figure out whatever. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I need you to, t- I need you to tell me like, what, like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I need you to figure it out. Like, that's why I asked you to do it. And um, it just like really hit me.
1: Yeah. And,
2: uh, and you know, I think like in a way, I, I, from that point, right, I began to appreciate like opportunities that I had where, like, the prescribed path was not known, and like there it was, I wasn't being told like do these specific steps. It was like, hey, here's like a problem to be solved, and I don't know how to solve it. That's what I need you to figure out, and that created a lot of opportunity for me throughout my career. Like thinking about things in that way. And it was a great revelation to me at the time when I was at a very young age very like, young. trying to find my way. Yeah, for sure.
0: That's awesome. And, and Anthony, after spending three-plus years there at the Magic, you kind of go back to your finance background. And you end up moving to New York to work on Wall Street and joining Goldman Sachs as an analyst in investment banking. You know, why, why was that the right decision for you at the time?
2: Well, so I had met Goldman – Working for the Magic, they were our financial advisor on the arena project, like trying to figure out the financial plan and how are we going to generate enough money to be able to pay for the arena. Um, And so I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the work that I had done on that part of the project. And as it became more clear that the arena was going to happen um, or get approved, uh, I started thinking about like what I wanted to do next, and the team that I was on at the Magic was really starting to um, transform into like the arena development team. And um, I was not only like not interested in that; I was not very good at it. Like <laughs> know, I had a, had a lot of opportunities. To at least you're that. honest with yourself. Yeah, man. I mean, look, like that's that's an important that's an important piece of like making sure you're, you're making the right career steps, but. I um I had plenty of opportunities to go like out to Kansas City and meet with architects throughout the process, and I always just felt like, you know, people are talking about like, oh yeah, you know, around this corner where there's this wall, you know, like whatever. And I'm like, what are you?
0: <laughs> what do you even that? know?
2: There, how do you know there's a wall there? Like, what are, you talking <laughs> about? are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at, right? So like, I knew I knew I wasn't gonna be great at that, and um and so it's just another one of those examples of like just following following your passion, following your interests. and um and so I did. And so, you, after you 're
0: spending some time in New York, you know that that passion comes back, and you actually transition back to Florida and this time to embark now on a ten plus year journey with the magic and So now you're back at the team. The new Amway Center opens up, which you're a big part and a big help of getting that funding and getting ready to go. So I'm sure that was an amazing experience for you. And then you end up receiving, throughout your time at The Magic the next time, five different promotions. With the last one, you're the chief marketing officer. So what do you feel like that you just continue to do on a consistent basis to gain more and more responsibility and ultimately get promoted internally?
2: I think it really goes back to that story I told about like solving solving a problem that no one knew how to solve and just kind of had to had to figure it out. And I, I and I think there were a lot of a lot of steps along the way um, during my time at the Magic where I found an opportunity that was not being addressed that had like a clear impact for value to the company and I found um, I found a way to solve that and it created an opportunity for me and so the first one was analytics um, when I came back to the magic which really was like it, it, it stumbled into it in a way right like we were we actually were trying the thing we were trying to solve for was more efficient pricing of our tickets and in the course of looking for a solution, to try to like be smarter about pricing tickets. We stumbled upon like this, this whole world of like analytics of like, man, there's it's actually, you can solve that, but you can solve like all kinds of other stuff and thinking and, about and like. And
0: mind the listeners back then, the analytics was very new to a lot of teams. Very new. Yes.
2: Yes. There was not a roadmap at the time. Um, you know, so this would have been like 2008. And, um, and so that like became the opportunity, and you know, and I, and I think like to give the magic a lot of credit, I could have easily have come back and come to the team and said, hey, I, there's this like opportunity to do more with data and with analytics and create a lot of value and all this stuff, and then, but it co- you know costs money to do that. Like we made some big investments at the time, right? It's been yep. easy for them to say no. Right? Right. Our CFO at the time yeah, to say deep- like yeah, like, hey, I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing the ROI, whatever. And and if they don't, you know, who knows what happens next, right? Like, because that's not what happened, but could have easily been what happened and maybe the path becomes different. And so it, it took others, like, to share the vision and to see the value to create those opportunities for me. But it started with that. And, I, and, yeah. you know, and as I just, like, focused on trying to tackle analytics, it led to the next thing, which was like, man, I've got all these, like – predictive models and user level insights like we should be doing more with these in marketing channels and so i ended up like doing some digital marketing stuff and then it was like oh we could apply more of these principles to traditional marketing we should do that and it sort of turned yeah so it just sort of it was a domino effect
0: well you just kind of talked about you went from the business strategy to overseeing marketing you had a big role in the ticketing world so like how you know as a leader, did you manage not only priorities but also gaining a better understanding of some of those other business verticals that maybe early in your career you weren't privy to
2: yeah i i I think um leaning on other people uh on the team right like the i mean it's like you always hear like those the, the those uh those adages about like not wanting to be the smartest person on the team and like that kind of stuff. And man, totally agree with that. Like always, always made sure to surround myself with people that knew more than I did about whatever the topic was and, um, and to not have any pride in learning from them and, uh, and, and make and feeling good about um, the right way to, to solve that through collaboration and and all the, all the like sort of buzzwords so I think that was the biggest thing, It was just, like, trusting other people, um, just being a sponge. You know, I, my biggest thing was reading books. Like, when I started taking on more marketing stuff, like, the first thing I did was, like, buy a book about email marketing, buy a book about, like, website analytics, you know, all these different things just to try to get educated and understand what was happening, it, or, you know, just generally, right, like in right. e-commerce and whatever, just to sort of broaden my own horizons. And I think that's great advice, no
0: matter what you're doing for the listeners, is invest in yourself. Take the time to to read as many books, to to pick the brains of other people, to better yourself and put yourself in a position to dominate. And, you know, Anthony, in, in the NBA and certainly the sports circle, you're well known, as we've already discussed, being an innovator, as you led the magic, becoming one of the first to, you know, from a strategy and analytics team to marketing, to even go to market with a new type of ticketing program with your past program data warehouse development, business intelligence, CRM teams, digital strategy, and can certainly go on and on. What advice do you have for the listeners that, that may help them be more innovative or be willing to just put themselves out there and take a few more risks in the business environment?
2: I think that I think one thing that was really helpful for me was looking at how other industries were solving similar problems. And thinking about like how, how that could apply to a sports team. Um, because, you know, like a lot of times you're not trying to like reinvent the wheel. There's other, others have solved these challenges in different ways. Maybe not for the same exact reason or in the same exact industry. But like finding that inspiration from like what others have done, that was always super helpful. To me, I think like just being um, being open minded. Like sometimes it's sometimes it's very easy to like get trapped in the well. We don't do it that way, right? Like we do it this way, and like you start thinking of like all the reasons why why it would be hard to do it differently, and um, that can that can be a blocker sometimes. To um, Thinking through like how could I do this in a way that could be successful, or thinking about the outcome first and like kind of working working backwards to uh, accomplishing it. So um, I, those are a few things that come to mind for me. And I think you know, in
0: a lot of the times when you when you talk to people about being innovative or taking risks, their biggest fear is failing. You're going to fail. It's going to happen, right? You're you're not you're yep. not going to bat a hundred percent every time, and that's okay as long as you learn from it and apply something new and. You know, as we talk about, you know, understanding our listener audience, you know, many of them may be leaders that are preparing budgets or preparing business plans for executive leadership or sales team members going out and trying to sell CEOs high-level inventory. And so throughout your time at both the Magic and Venue Next, you spend a lot of time around many different leaders and owners. So what is your advice for the listeners to
2: always be prepared to have those high-level discussions and meetings? Well, it always comes back to impact. Um, you know, everyone always wants to understand like what, what's the impact of this? Like, how does this create value or the ROI? Like, all you know, all, the, all those kinds of things. And so, it's just putting it's just putting things in terms that that your audience will respond to. And you know, it's it's really interesting because I I, I always felt when I was on the team side. In particular, and I was like not as directly involved in or like not even directly involved in sales at all. Yeah. Um, I always felt like I, I always felt like I didn't get enough credit for like being a salesperson, um, not not like selling something different, right? But like doing the things that we had to do that we would do like on the strategy side and like our big analytics right. undertaking and all that stuff. So it's all everybody's selling,
0: right? Like no matter what, selling. no matter what your job title is, you're always selling.
2: Yeah, and so I think, like, in that regard, there's a lot that anyone could gain from, like, understanding sales tactics and techniques because it is about understanding your audience and, like, anticipating objections and being able to overcome them and all those things. It's a little different than, like, you know, trying to sell a product to a consumer or whatever, but, like, the principles aren't different at all. And so I do think, like, that is the best way to, like, arm yourself or or to be equipped to handle those conversations
0: Yep. no absolutely and so and you've certainly had a great career a ton of great insights as you look back at your career what has been your best memory
2: uh probably i mean i talked about it before probably when the magic went to the nba finals yeah um that was amazing i mean that was like the best time of my life like from a professional standpoint. It's incredible.
0: Oh, yeah. be awesome. Awesome experience. Well, Andy, this has been great. ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey on both the team and vendor side. You're an SPJ 40 under 40 winner. So to close it out, I'd like to put our guest on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this?
1: <laughs>
2: okay.
0: All righty. You, you, you have several kids. So I'm sure you watch some of these. So superpowers. What would your superpower be and why?
2: Um, I think I would go with flying because I just want to get places faster.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. Especially the I-4 traffic there in Orlando is never a deal. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know. What was your first car, and did you name it?
2: My first car was a Honda Civic, and I did not name it, but it was a silver Civic with the, like, one-way mirror tent. And so it did look, it was like a silver bullet. It was awesome. Yes. It's, if you had to eat one meal every
0: day for the rest of your life, what would you what would it be? Probably tacos. Tacos. All right. Tijuana flats?
2: Uh eat well, I guess like I'd either do I'd either do like the homemade tacos that we make at our house or okay. I'd do like a Chipotle burrito. Alright,
0: alright. There you go. Well to close it out, Anthony, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
2: Well, I, I would say um, the, the, along the lines of, like, the things we've talked about today, I would say challenge the status quo, um, take risks, and focus what's right in front of you. I think that's a, another, another key one that has served me well. I've, I've been asked before. I, I, I never like the question of, like, where do you see yourself in five years and all that kind of stuff. And what, what I always say to that is throughout my career, I've, I've always focused on what's right in front of me. And the next door has always opened. Um, and it hasn't always been a door that I would have anticipated in advance that that would be where I would end up. But it always made sense when it, when it revealed itself. And it always happened because I just focused on what was right in front of me.
0: You put yourself in a good position. I couldn't agree more with some of those priorities. You know, challenge that status quo. Too many people just check the box. You're, you're, you're going to get passed every time. And, you know, we talked a lot about your innovation, both from what you're doing at Venue Next and the magic, taking risks and, and focusing on that job at hand, dominate your day. So, Anthony, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you, buddy. And I really appreciate your time and expertise.
2: Likewise, my friend. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.